Um, so we've been um, we've been doing this um, study on thanks, and um, uh, also if somebody can um, uh, can confirm that you can hear me, okay, I would appreciate that as well because this is all different equipment. Uh, this is my my personal equipment here. I know the camera works because I can see my face, but I want to make sure that you can hear my voice, okay? So if somebody could please let me know. That would be great. I just saw that my sister popped on. Uh, her and Ivan are watching. Um, so I'll give you a quick uh, facility update before we get going because I can cut this out of the podcast part um, anyway. So um, so essentially, um, Friday night, we had um, uh, we had our potluck, and uh, I'll talk about that. Um, uh, good morning, Cliff. He said hearing and seeing well. Bonnie said sounds good. Okay. Um, I won't break in the song, I promise. But um, I will tell you this. Uh, speaking of song, I did talk to uh, Clay this morning on the phone, and Clay sounds 100% better than he did when I talked to him last week. Um, so he's he's primed and, and ready to go, disappointed like I am that uh, we're not going to be able to see each other live today. But anyway, um, so Friday night, um, Bonnie was um, staying after to clean her and Ivan uh, after the potluck, and they ended up being there um, really late um, because we were having some issues with the toilets and the bathroom flushing. Um, the the one in the ladies' room was was leaking water, so um, I got in touch with um, a plumbing service yesterday because everybody was so busy. I don't know if it's because everyone's ramping up for the holidays or they're understaffed or whatever it is, but um, uh, the plumber didn't wasn't able to get there until 7:30 last night. We were there. Angie and I were there with them until um, after 11. Um, but uh, uh, the problem appears to exist between the street and the building. We're going to have to get somebody else there with a camera, or we're going to have to get with the landlord. But that's neither here nor there. My request to you is just be praying that we can get this resolved. Um, not only does it prevent us from meeting together on Sunday, it's going to prevent divorce care from meeting together on Tuesday night. Um, and so I just, uh, I, I, I just feel like this is the enemy attacking us because, um, we are making headway. We are, uh, um, we had a great turnout Friday night. Almost everyone was in attendance. Um, there was so much joy in the room. Um, it was wonderful to see all the families together. Um, it was just a um, a realization of of thanks. Um, we've been doing this this study, the the power of thanks, and um, so you know, I started this morning. I got up and uh, I, I thought on that and prayed on that this morning before church and. Um, before we begin with today's message, I, I just want to confirm to you that um, while I didn't expect to plan, uh, I didn't plan to to spend four hours at the church last night babysitting a plumber um, and and still not have things working. Um, I am thankful for uh, this, for our community, and for technology that we can still meet, that we can still gather together. And uh, still um, share God's word. Um, I, I'm sorry that uh, there is no worship. You do not want me to dust off my guitar. It's been far too long, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, uh, we will share God's word today, and 
Um, by his grace and his power and his mercy, we'll be back together again uh, next week. So let me just officially say good morning to anyone else that um, is going to be watching at a, at a later date. Um, uh, apologize for all the, uh, you know, all the maintenance up front on, on what's been going on, but welcome and thank you for joining us. Um, we're finishing our series, as I said, in the power of thanks. Um, I'm going to try to do something, if I can figure it out here real quick while I'm talking to you, and that is... Um, there was a way to, I think, um, share my slides. And I'm looking to see if there's a way to do that real quick. I, I saw it um, earlier, and uh, I've, I've since lost uh, lost the button for it. But uh, give me one second. Let me see if I can find it. Um, if not, you're just going to have to look at me. And... Um, Looks like that's what it's going to be. So you're going to you're just going to be looking at me and the top of my head when I check my notes. But uh, we'll just go from there. So uh, let me just um, go ahead and, and get started. Um, last week, you know, we we were um, continuing on. We looked at at um, at joy as something that comes from knowing and following God and trusting God even in the valleys. To, to praise him, uh, even when we don't understand what God is doing. We're kind of living that right now. We're kind of living that right in the middle, right? Uh, we, we don't judge God based on our opinion of his job performance. And that that sacrifice of praise, we, we talked about what that means uh, to have a, uh, to make a sacrifice of praise, to choose to be thankful even in the valleys. So this week, we're going to investigate God's reaction to our gratitude by looking at how Jesus reacted in a specific moment in Scripture. What, what happens when we neglect to be thankful? So let me pray for us, and uh, we'll get into today's message. Father, thank you for this series, for, for the focus that it has given me personally, given all of us, to praise you, to be thankful, to, to, to how, how it has helped us to, to affirm our trust and our faith in you. So Lord, help us today to continue to practice gratitude, to be thankful in all things. Lord, show us the truth of your word, open our hearts, and show us and remind us of the power of thanks. Amen. So, um, since I cannot get my slides up on the screen, I'm just going to ask you to um, turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps, if you have them handy, to Luke uh, chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 11. It says this, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance, and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So let's, let's stop here for, for just a second. 
um, because I, I think this is so cool. Um, you notice Jesus didn't touch them. Jesus didn't pray to the Father on their behalf to heal them. He didn't do anything except tell them to go and show themselves to the priests, and they went. That's all it says. And I, I don't know what sort of Jesus experience these ten lepers were hoping for. They weren't even within touching distance of Jesus, because it says they had to raise their voices to, to speak to him. But they met the one requirement that Jesus most often asked of those who sought him for healing. They had faith. Remember what Jesus told the father of the possessed boy in Mark 9.23? He said, all things are possible for those who believe. The lepers believed. They believed. They began walking to the priest as instructed, and they were still lepers as they were walking to the priest. We, we don't know how, how far they walked, it doesn't say, before they were cleansed. Maybe it was a, a short distance, maybe it was a decent distance, and, and that's why some, most of them didn't turn around and come back to Jesus. Like, that's an excuse. But that's what we read next, beginning in verse 15. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This narrative in Luke 17 is sad. Jesus is beyond gracious to ten lepers by healing them. And these were people who were not just physically ill, but, but due to social custom and Jewish law, they were rejects. They were outcasts. They were physically contagious, but they were also considered spiritually unclean. Nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody wanted them around. And it's interesting because it, it's not a big stretch to think that at least one or two of these Lepers could have at one time been somebody of some importance. You know, we don't know. They could have been well-respected citizens. But because of this illness, they were isolated, and they were basically considered dead men. Their life was over. They had no hope or reason to live. Their, their cry out to Jesus in verse 13 is one, quite frankly, of desperation. Jesus was their only hope. It was Jesus or nothing. And they already had nothing. And for some of you, this might sound like a familiar situation. Being at rock bottom, being so desperate for help because there is 
nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can offer to fix whatever the situation is that you're in currently. There's no more frightening place in life to be, I believe, than just that, that place of, of desperation where you have no one else to turn to, nowhere else to go. You are literally helpless. But that's what God lets us get to at some point so that we stop looking in the wrong places for solutions. You recall the story, this story, in, in Luke's Gospel. It says there, there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. This is in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 43. She had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived that power has come out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I love this account. I was, I was searching for another biblical account of desperation so that um, so that we could uh, you know kind of understand the, the mindset of people uh, when they, when they get to this and um, my wife actually suggested uh, this account we were talking about it and and I went back and read it and read it and read it and and I'm so glad that she did uh, you know I, I at some point really hope that the series, uh, The Chosen, um, at some point does this particular miracle, does this scene. And the reason why is because I want to see Peter's face portrayed when Jesus asks him in the middle of this giant crowd, who touched me? Because Peter's just got to be incredulous with this, right? What do you mean who touched you? There's a crowd here. It's a massive crowd. Massive. I mean, we don't know how massive. I'm assuming it's not, let's take the goalpost down to the river massive, but it's, it's a big crowd, right? And yet, Jesus felt the power leave him. And he tells her, your faith has made you well. Because her faith was stronger and bigger than her fear. We, we live in a, in a different culture. It's kind of hard to understand this, but she was as much an outcast as those ten lepers because of her condition. And she risked going into this massive crowd where she might accidentally touch someone else and make them ritually unclean. Or they might 
just touch her on accident and make themselves ritually unclean. It would make her a very, very unpopular person, not somebody that needed to be in this massive group of people if what she was planning on doing didn't succeed, if her desperation didn't cause her to touch Jesus's robe and to be healed. Her, her faith gave her that because her faith was bigger than her fear because she was so desperate. She realized he was her only hope. He was her only place to turn. So she surrendered every other possibility. There, there are times of greater surrender during a Christian's life that, that bring deeper intimacy with God and greater power in service. The more areas of our lives that we surrender to him, the more room there is for the filling of the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we exhibit traits of his character. The more we surrender to God, the more our old self-worshipping nature is replaced with one that resembles Christ. Romans um, 6.13 says that, that God demands that we surrender the totality of ourselves. He wants the whole, not the part. The, uh, the ESV translation that I teach from says, um, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But in other translations, in other words, it says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin. But present yourself, it continues, to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Remember in, in Mark 8, when Jesus said that his followers must deny themselves? It says, and, and, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. It's another call to surrender. The, the goal of the Christian life can be summed up by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20. Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Such a life of surrender is pleasing to God because it's only in that place where we are most thankful to God. So, so back to the story of, of the ten lepers that we began with. Um, Jesus heals them. He makes it official based on the cultural procedures of the day. They, they had to present themselves to a priest to be declared clean. So they go, and they are declared clean. They're no longer lepers. Their lives are restored. Their lives have been graciously given back to them. Sounds familiar. And the fascinating part of this narrative is that only one of these ten returned to give God thanks for what was done. And Christ was bothered by this. 
If you go back and read verse 18 again, it says, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? I don't think it's a huge stretch to interpret the tone that Jesus was using when he said this. How many other ways could he say this in context? What does this mean? Well, I think it means that, that Christ is bothered by our lack of thanksgiving. But I have some good news for you. On the converse side of things, it means that he delights in our thanksgiving. So he's bothered by our lack of it. But when we give our thanksgiving, he delights it. It's, it's interesting to note in Romans one twenty one that, that what led people being completely given over to sin was a lack of thankfulness. Paul is talking here about people who have not heard the gospel, people who don't know God. But, but, but listen to what it says. It says, for although they, they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. If you are redeemed today, you've been made whole. You've been given a new life, just like the ten lepers. We're given new life. So the question has to be asked. Where do we fall in the area of thankfulness for our salvation? Do we fall in line with the nine? That we recognize it, but we're, we're too busy moving on with, with our, our lives or the things that we missed from before? Or do we fall in line with the one? The one who came back rejoicing, giving Jesus all the praise and glory for what only he could have done. 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 30-31 says, If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It tells us that our thankfulness leads to putting others before us. And everything we do is for the glory of God. Not our glory. This is directly opposite to what we were just looking at in Romans one twenty one. Those who don't know God. Where they were not thankful, and that led to a dark descent into sin. Thankfulness always leads to genuine selflessness, praise, and glory to the one who deserves it. Because when we focus on the things that God has given us, when we pay attention to the things that we should be thankful for, we can't help but recognize it recognize his place and his authority in our lives and it changes us it changes us daily as we choose to do this when there's no expression of thanks it makes the giver feel like they just what's the big deal i mean ask yourself this question have you 
ever done something kind for someone and you weren't given any thanks for it? We've all experienced that. It's it's not that you desire to be fawned over, you don't desire to be worshipped, but a, a simple thank you goes a long way. When there's no expression of thanks, again, as I was saying, it makes the giver feel like they just wasted their time and their resources, and quite frankly, the giver might be reluctant to help that person again. Now, that's, in this case, I'm talking about us broken human beings and imperfect human beings, but why is that? Well, because of the lack of thanksgiving on the part of the recipient. You know, parents will, will often instill gratitude into their children. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I saw it um, during trick-or-treating when the kids came to the door, and they were they were into the candy. I mean, they were ready for that, and they, and they loved the compliments and the comments about their costumes and, and all that. You know, that, that was a great interaction. But once they had the candy, they were one and done. They were ready to move to the next house until... I mean, inevitably, the parents or the adults there would say, no, 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 hold on now. Um, say thank you. What do you say? You know, prompting them, right? Teaching them. And it's not just because it's the polite thing to say. It's because it's important to be grateful. When we're not grateful, we, we convey an attitude of presumption, an attitude of expectancy and arrogance. Be thankful to those who help you. In his book, Making Grateful Kids, Dr. Jeffrey Froh, who's a school psychologist, shares his team's research on the benefits of gratitude among adolescents. He says, we found that grateful young adolescents age 11 to 13, compared to their less grateful counterparts, are happier they're more optimistic, they have better social support from friends and family, they're more satisfied with their school, their family, their community, their friends, and themselves, and they give more emotional support to others. They're also physically healthier, they report fewer physical symptoms such as headaches, stomach aches, and runny noses. We also found that grateful teens ages 14 to 19 compared to less grateful teens, are more satisfied with their lives. They use their strengths to better their community. They're more engaged in their schoolwork and their hobbies. They have higher grades, and they're less envious, depressed, materialistic. This shouldn't come as any big surprise to us. I mean, humankind was created to give thanks and glory to God. In in Revelation 4.11, there's this account where Christ gives the saints crowns. And they turn around and give them right back to him. And it's out of the, a spirit of thankfulness because they understand that it was God that did everything. God who allowed them to have the ability to do what they did for him. They realized that it was nothing that they could have done on their own. Out of sheer gratitude, they gave glory and honor back to their creator, for he alone is worthy. 
when we don't praise God and thankfulness for what he's done for us in our lives, we are in essence saying we're okay without God. Now, it's, it's easy to see how unthankfulness, if that's a word, <laughs> can lead to a depth of descent into sin, like Romans 1 talked about. When, when we neglect to be thankful, we've set ourselves on a dangerous course. A heart of gratitude keeps us focused on God. Jesus not only deserves our thanks, but he also desires it. So, so let's go back to the account of the ten lepers for just a second. Because I want you to look at something interesting. Something that is said by Jesus at the end of the account to the one man who came back. Okay? He says this. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. But... Jesus' final words to the grateful Samaritan seem to imply something more than just physical healing. Because it's, it's already been noted and determined that they were healed. You know, they, they were cleansed as they were walking toward the priests. But, but yet this man comes back and he falls at, at Jesus' feet. And he says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. It could very well be that that man's return to fall at Jesus' feet gave him a different kind of healing than just the physical. The, the, the man's surrender to Jesus, his acknowledgement of, of what God has done for him, it gave him a spiritual healing that that surpasses just the, the physical healing of the body. When you consider our spiritual life and you compare that or contrast that to our physical life, which we all know is limited, you must agree that spiritual healing is so much more precious. Than physical healing. I mean, we, we all want physical healing because we're right in the middle of it. But spiritual healing, I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. When when we take time to acknowledge the giver and not just the gifts, we we please the Lord as well as enjoy the spiritual healing that comes from gratefulness. We, we saw the one former leper return with praise and thanksgiving, it said. And if, I, if, you were, if you're a note taker, if you remember from the first week of our series, I introduced you to that, to that Greek word, eucharistio. It's where we get the word eucharist from. It means thanks. Okay, it's that, that's the definition of that word. The other word that was used here for, for praise is the word doxa. And it's where we get the word doxology. You might be familiar with a doxology. It's often said in, in more traditional church settings. Uh, the church I grew up in, we always had a doxology at the end. It's a way to appraise God specifically. So today in, in closing, I felt it was fitting to close with a doxology. Um, this 
is the Apostle Paul. He wrote this uh, in Colossians 3.16. So I'm going to close us with these words. If you would bow your heads. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Amen. Offer your praise and your thanksgiving to the Lord. Today, tomorrow, this week, Thursday's Thanksgiving. Be thankful to the, to the giver of the gift, not just the gift itself. Amen? Uh, let, me, let me pray for us real quick as we close out. Father, thank you for... Um, Thank you for technology, for the opportunity to be able to be together even when we're not together. Lord, we, we pray for your, your leading this week. We pray for your presence as, um, as we prepare for family, for travel, for um, all of the things. God, we just pray for you. Lord, I ask that, um, that you just shower us with your mercy and your grace. Lord, that you would step in, um, that you would provide a way for us to um, to get things working again at the Hope Building. Um, Lord, um, I pray um, for your presence. I pray for focus so that I can stay focused on what I'm thankful for, and that's you, and for all the things that come our way. Lord, we offer up this time and this word uh, we thank you for your love, and we just ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Hope Community Church. For those of you that are watching live, thank you so much. Um, I, uh, I'll keep you posted on how things are going at the building um, once we, we work out a plan of attack. Um, until further notice, um, stay safe. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much. Um, be thankful for every bite, and uh, have a blessed week. Take care.